0: Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we're going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome. Last week we discussed why we feel the need to be so busy. So now let's figure out some tips to stop or even just reduce that busy feeling uh, a little bit. And this is definitely Tara's Area of expertise. So we're going to be leaning on her a lot today.
0: Yeah, I love this stuff. This is my real happy place. I um, was trying to think of a metaphor, as I do, involving food to describe (laughs) how much I love the topic of decluttering people's schedules. And because I do have a sweet tooth and I love a good brownie, I figured that this stuff, Decluttering schedules is like the gooey bit at the centre of a brownie for me. It's like the best bit. Um, <laughs> so when I work with my clients and quite often we'll do the physical decluttering first and then this stuff is can be considered the higher order or the second stage decluttering. Um, this is mm-hmm. where I feel like my real niche is and my best skills are. Um, is taking those next things. Once you've got rid of the tangible things that are holding you back, that you get into this nitty gritty of um, overfull schedules and chaos, and getting rid of some of the intangibles that are stopping you from living the way you want.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's very exciting. So, how do we start? So, we've decided that we're too busy. So, after listening to last week's, so our listeners might be feeling like they really are interested in feeling the benefits of uh, an unbusy life. So what do they do next? Well, see, How and this, now?
0: this is the thing. The way we are living now, most of us, is completely unsustainable. I feel like the world is on the verge of a massive crisis, like a burnout epidemic almost, because mm. when you talk to people about they, the way they live today, And you say, can you continue doing this? Do you think you could continue operating at the pace you're operating at in five years or in 10 years? They'd be like, no way. I can do it for just now because I have to. The problem is unless you Mm -hmm. make a change, things won't change. There will be always more things added to your schedule. So I think it's about making a real conscious effort. Um, And some people that get to that point, that reach that burnout point, have like a lightning bolt or they will run away and recalibrate. I was listening to a podcast the other day about a lady oh, who yeah. hit that burnout stage and she packed up and moved to France, took six months off, did yoga and painting and then came back and started her life again nice and slowly and intentionally. I'm like that's wonderful mm. but so not practical for the majority <laughs> of the population. I know it's a bit like a that eat, pray, love
1: Yes. Where, you know, all these people go, yeah, I would love to just disappear and be paid to go away <laughs> to Italy and Bali, but unfortunately I have bills and a family and it's just not viable. So there needs to be another way for people who are in the thick of it to be able to make change without having to, you know, that dramatic, without doing that dramatic
0: reset. Yeah, and I, so I think rather than doing a major overhaul you need to just start implementing a few things, little changes, bit by bit, one a month or one a week, whatever works for you. So hopefully today we can take you through some of those little things that you can change or just have a mindset shift on to start getting you towards being less Mm. busy. Because I think that is the start,
1: isn't it? That's the the first step is the mindset. It's the same with stuff. It's deciding that you want something different now.
0: Yeah. And um, I've, because this is an Area of love for me, and I have a f- quite a few clients that I work with trying to sort some of these intangible issues out. I've put together a bit of a cheat sheet of some of my top tips as well. Some of them we'll cover today, some we haven't, but later in the show, I'll tell you where you can get that. It's a, like a free little guide that you can have a look at. So, and one mm. of them is just firstly, stop trying to fit the mold we kind of it's like we're driving along a highway and everyone's zipping past at a million miles an hour and we feel like we have to keep up and hmm. and that if we don't we're going to be left behind but actually that's that's not really the case we have to forget the notion that busy equals important or busy equals successful and let other people worry about them and we just need to focus on ourselves and yeah. We really need to define what success looks like and what it is for us rather than for other people. I think that's really important. Yeah, Yeah. I think there are things that I I look at other people and think, wow, that, that life looks amazing. But when I kind of put my blinkers on and focus back home and look at my family, I'm like success for me is not being able to afford a new car and an overseas holiday every year or every other year. Success for me includes having nourished, healthy, happy, well-adjusted children. And that takes Mm. time and energy and requires me to be available and home with them. So although I might not have the dollars in the bank to show for that, for me, success is not just dollars in the bank. It's having happy, healthy children. So Mm. I feel like people need to, you know, almost bring themselves back to a point and say, right, what is success in my house, in my family, maybe sit with your partner or your children and decide what that looks like for all of you and make sure you're working towards that and forget about the rat race Mm. going on around you. Yeah, and everyone starts from a different level. You know, there there are some families
1: that are experiencing, you know, great difficulty, and so success for them is you know surviving and mm-hmm. and getting through the day, you know. And so, you know, if you can sort of say and if you've got a mental illness or something like that and you have good days and bad days, you know, success might be, you know, more good days than bad days, you know, checked off the calendar or or something like that. And rather than things like you know money like you said money and holidays and cars uh, that's sort of something that you know isn't isn't worth aspiring for if you've got other more pressing things to deal with and so you know success is so different for everybody that we have to be really careful that we don't accidentally pick somebody else's success to aim for
0: yeah because at the end of the day we hop into bed hopefully in our beautiful decluttered master bedrooms from a few weeks ago (laughs) when we talked about slimming them down and we need to be happy with the lives that we're living and when you're striving for someone else's goals at the end of the day that doesn't feel very good so um, the other thing we need to remember is that life is not a competition and I was talking to a friend a couple of weeks ago and I know she listens to this so she'll probably have a giggle when she hears it but she was saying she works from home manages the books of um their family business has three children lots going on and she's busy and her husband works in the business and has staff to manage and he is busy and when they get home at the end of the day she was saying quite often it's a competition about who was the busiest and rather than leaning on each other and saying oh you know our life is crazy gosh you know i feel for you it's like no but my day was busy no but did you no but this happened to me and um yeah. i think sometimes we can get caught up in that as well
1: yeah instead of saying to each other how can we be less busy we find ourselves saying you know how can I be busier than you you know I, I want to be busier than you because that makes me more important um, and it's all, I mean subconscious no one ever thinks that but it's a little bit subconscious and in, instead perhaps we should be turning that around and saying how can we help each other be less busy
0: yeah what can I do for you to help you be less busy tomorrow or what could we do together that will enable and us to do some slow time <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, because there is no prizes for being the busiest they're actually that's not there's no end game with that. No, it's a booby prize. Yeah. Now, Beck, you have got this um, great explanation of a diagram, and we will put a visual of that on our website in the show notes because it might help some people understand it. But um, do you want to explain your quadrant diagram of of yeah. busyness? It's- So in Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he has a
1: quadrant that is very useful in prioritizing the tasks that you need to be spending your time on. And this quadrant has um, four quarters and they're broken up into the first quadrant is important and urgent activities. So those are things that um, go to help you reach your goals eventually and are also quite pressing at the time. And then there's important but not urgent. So those are things that are going to help you achieve your goals, but they're not pressing on you. You don't have uh, imminent deadlines on them or anything like that. Then there is not important and urgent. And those are usually other people's problems. So it's something that is pressing on you, but it actually doesn't help you achieve your long-term goals. And then there is not important and not urgent, which sort of uh, can explain itself. And the, we spend most of our time in quadrant one, in urgent and important. We are rushing around doing things that we want to do and we need to do, but we're so busy in that quadrant that our stress levels are really high because that that is the highest stress level quadrant because it's urgent. And when it's urgent, your stress levels go up. And there are lots of things that we can do in the second quadrant of important but not urgent that will reduce those higher stress quadrants. You know, if you've got somebody who comes and asks you the same question at work every single day, how do I do this? Or where is the, or if you've got teenagers that ask every single day, where is the, (laughs) then that's a, that's a quadrant three, which is not um, not important to your values, but it's urgent because there's someone standing there asking you the question. And to in order to reduce the amount of times that happens, you can do something in quadrant two, which is not urgent but it's important in maybe training that person or delegating them another supervisor or telling your teenager that you're never, ever going to answer that question again. So this is the last time and they better remember it or they'll have to figure it out themselves next time. And so by spending that little time pre that and reducing that, then the urgent tasks reduce. So it's things like... Um, it's things like working on things well before their deadline. It's chipping away at projects. It's doing things that you want to do rather than things that you need to do. And it's it's that kind of thing. So we'll, we'll do, it's very hard to explain without the diagram, but we'll put something up. Um, I'll come up with something that's relevant to our listeners in particular, because his is a bit business-based. So I'll sort of make it a bit more holistic. And, and maybe you can see what I mean by where you're spending your time and in what quad, quadrant.
0: You're, and I I guess the idea is if you can dedicate some time to the important tasks that aren't urgent, then you deal with them before they become urgent. So you deal with them in a low stress manner rather than letting them get into that high stress quadrant and having to do, and then there's all the things that go along with that, that when you're not in a stressful situation, doing something important, your output is probably better quality because you're not stressed and pressed for time. Even I find things for me, even things that I love like cooking, if it is the weekend and I have time and I have space and no deadlines and I'm just cooking, you know, I might be making pasta for the family um, and I can roll out the dough and I can hang it and dry it and make, you know, I can take hours and I love it and I relish it. Mm. But when it's, Wednesday night, and someone's just come home from dance, and someone's about to go somewhere else, and this is happening, and the phone rings, and everyone wants dinner now, and we've got to get homework done. I just do not enjoy cooking because mm. it's like mm. I've got to get get it done in a short period of time, and I can't put any quality or effort into it. It's just about quick output. Yeah. So I think even tasks that you enjoy doing, if you leave them till they get to that point, that quadrant, then. Mm. There's yeah. no joy left. They change all of a sudden. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Um, and you,
1: we talked about this in our planner episode where you have like a little reminder every week to work on your goals. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good way of getting to those important but not urgent things is to just chip away, make that time. I try and give my make myself spend half an hour a day on all of my not important sorry I'm getting all mixed up I try to spend at least half an hour a day on important but not urgent activities so those things that I don't have deadlines on that no one's asking for but I know I really should do or I really want to do so it's either Mm -hmm. a business development thing or it's a fun thing but I have to spend you know half an hour things like doing the family's annual photo album yeah, that, I just yep. ignore that, ignore it. And then all of a sudden I look up and it's like, oh, my goodness, I haven't done 2017 yet. I'm so far behind because, you know, time flies. But if you make that time to do those things, then it doesn't get, you, you do do quality work because if I'm trying to do a photo album from four years ago, I'm looking, I'm going, where was that again? Who was that? I don't know that kid. What's their name? Mm-hmm. But if I'd done it six months after I'd taken the photo, I'd go, "Oh yeah, I know that kid. Who that kid is?" And you know, I'd put their name in the caption. But you know, so the quality, you know, like you said, is is not there either. And so mm-hmm. if I can make myself do half an hour a day, or you know, you can have it in your diary as well as a reminder every week. That's they're really good methods of getting some of that stuff done before you're feeling busy.
0: Mm-hmm. And I guess then also identifying the things that aren't important and aren't urgent that you do anyway as well you know uh, and social media is a classic example I
1: mean how yes. many times do you pick up your phone to do something important and then if spent half an hour doing unimportant not urgent things mm-hmm. either after it or instead of it there's been mm-hmm. times where I've picked up the phone and then I've ended up like texting you because I've had an idea or I've ended up um, on Facebook or um, something and I look I go now what did I pick up my phone for again it was probably something like to check the weather or something and I've just gone off track and I've spent all this time on not unimportant and non-urgent like the worst quadrant of all uh, to be spending time in and uh, without actually realizing it until you know a little bit of time has already gone by I'm getting better at knowing when I do that but Sometimes it can
0: still get away from us. Oh, yeah, definitely. Social media is like, yeah, that screams not important and not urgent, but mm. it's fun and that's cool. But then if you find yourself short of time and snapping at people because you've got no time to do anything, mm. then maybe you need to rethink where that non-important, non-urgent stuff fits in. So for me, mm. like I love reading just I don't indulge in it during the day because I've got lots of other more important tasks. But so at yeah. night when everyone's in bed and there's nothing else pressing on me, I'm like, right, okay, grab my book out. Mm. So I think, yeah, just, ha- just an awareness of the way that tasks fit in that is huge I think. Yeah,
1: um, that's the thing, knowing how much time you spend. You know, use that, use the thing, the app on your phone that tells you how much time you've spent on your phone to, to tell you oh, and don't ignore it either. Like look at it and watch it and scary. don't ignore it because, you know, and think that, you know, if you look there and you've spent three hours on your phone that day that day have a look and see how much of it was was not urgent or not important or just not important in Mm -hmm. general and that can really help as well um and i've i've stopped myself from doing that quite a bit and i've gotten a lot better at it and scheduling time um i love nothing more than i like i'm such a word nerd but i love word games on my phone i love playing Mm -hmm. um words with friends and it's just one of my favorite things to do. And I also love really fast word games as well. And because the only time my brain works quickly is when I'm doing a word game. Every other time it's on slow motion. Um, <laughs> but I also get a bit of a kick out of that like, hey, I am smart enough. And So, But I schedule that time. Like I go, I'm not doing that just at any time. I'm going to do that when no one else is around so I'm not ignoring them Uh, or when it's all quiet or when everyone else is occupied or when I've done the things that I need to do for the day, I'll sit down and I'll indulge in that for a while. And I think then it's fine. It's just the whole, I think the whole key is
0: intentionality around those things. Mm. And so one thing I will quite often work with people on is creating more efficient schedules. A lot of the time we get trapped in this scenario of doing things one way because that's the way they've always been done. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. sometimes you just need someone outside of the scenario to have a look at the way that you're operating and they can streamline or simplify those tasks. So I had a client who was really pressed for time, couldn't her concern was she had no time for self-care. Like so many working mothers, she was everything to everybody except for herself. She, you know, yeah. she ran the home, she cooked the meals, she worked, she um, ran the kids to sports, There was she fed the dog, all everything. Mm. And then at the end of the day she was exhausted and she didn't make time to have a bath. She didn't make time to do her craft or any of those activities that kind of, filled her cup so mm. that's what I was talking to her about and we looked at her schedule and there absolutely there were things in there that could not move we couldn't she couldn't reduce her hours at work they were fixed her boss wasn't opening open to her um, cutting down her hours and certainly for her that that was a non-negotiable but then we talked about other things and we worked out that she was getting up early in the morning to walk her dog and she had quite a large dog and I said okay so this you know from five thirty to six thirty, you walk your dog yes okay and I said what where do you take the dog for a walk I walk up around the block that takes me one hour and I said okay well could we possibly change that and I was a bit concerned that she was going to suggest that you know I didn't have the dog's best interests at heart <laughs> but I said rather than taking the dog for a stroll for an hour could we take could you still get up at 5 30 take him to the park at the end of the street instead and use one of those big plastic stick things that so you put the tennis balls in yeah. and fling the tennis ball to the end of the park it's 5 30 so there was no one else around and I said and then your dog will sprint up and down the park for half an hour or as long as he lasts probably much higher quality exercise for your big dog rather than a walk mm-hmm. um, the dog was still relatively young at this point so it wasn't um, wasn't an issue and then I said then the dog gets great exercise and you get back half an hour of your time and whether you come home at 6am and have a bath or do some craft or you just move some of the activities that you do at night time into, yeah, into the morning to create space and there was this pause but then she was like I've how have I never thought of that making <laughs> that more efficient and it's funny because I said it's just the fact that it's someone else outside looking in so maybe it's worth talking to people, talking to your spouse, talking to your kids or, you know, people in your periphery and saying, how can we make that activity more efficient? How can we streamline some of the things that we're doing to buy back some more time? Yeah, that's a great idea. One thing I talk about too, and Beck, I know you love my food analogies. I know that's (laughs) the real reason you wanted to work with me. (laughs) (laughs) So I, in this little cheat sheet I mentioned earlier, I have a Um, little section on tomato and basil systems which sounds absurd but it works for me and for the way that I think about food and life. It's not absurd I just laugh because you just the way you put it makes me laugh (laughs) (laughs) it actually makes perfect sense I love it so tell everyone about it so they can love it too. So generally I'm not a big advocate for multitasking because I feel like when you multitask you're just you know splitting your your head in two directions and you're yeah. stuffing up two things simultaneously.
1: <laughs> exactly. There's um, a lot of science behind that too. We're going to do a whole yeah, episode that's on it. it. Yep.
0: Yeah, um, so when you're, when you're busy doing a complex task, I never advocate or advocate multitasking. And then this is my explanation of tomato and basil systems. Tiramisu and brulee are both delightful on their own, but are too complex to go together in one mouthful just like so many other complex tasks. Tomato and basil, however, they are simple and so can be matched perfectly without either one taking over or compromising the integrity of the other. Similarly, simple tasks are the ones that break the no multitasking rule. Folding the washing for me is one of those really simple tasks. So I fold the washing at the same time as I test my kids on their spelling words. I'm not really compromising on the quality or the integrity of either job by doing those two things together. So look at your day or week and find the simple tasks and see if you compare any of them. So I give a few examples here. Can you listen to that training audio file from work while you walk the dog? Can you clean the shower while you're watching the kids in the bath? Can you listen to your partner's speech practice while chopping veggies for dinner? Or iron while watching your favourite TV show? Maybe you could call your mother while waiting at soccer practice. I think you get the ideas. This is also why I love sitting and eating dinner together as a family because not only do we all have to eat together, that has to get done at some stage, but we also all want to download and share our stories from the day. Mm. So they're two very important things but both relatively simple that need to get done and need to get done daily in our house but which can go together like tomato and basil. So maybe people just need to look at some of the simple things that they're doing and rather than doing one thing at a time, see if they can combine two and buy Mm. themselves a bit more time that way.
1: Yeah, and the key is, like you said, the complexity of the task, isn't it? It's Mm. that simple with simple so that they complement each other or don't take over each other uh, and you don't end up doing a poor job or that it doesn't matter if you do a poor job you know if if you're folding it doesn't matter if you don't fold it perfectly Um, it's no big deal and that's the key it's you're not going to compromise on those tasks it's really important that we don't do complex tasks at the same time though so it's the key is knowing knowing when to do it knowing when to uh, not
0: yeah definitely now this uh, next tip we've got, I really want you to discuss, back because <laughs> you are the queen of this, <laughs> so go forth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, the, our next tip is the power of
1: saying no or my favourite way to say it is opting out. If you can say no to more things, then you are saying yes to a more peaceful existence. So there are some things we take on out of a sense of obligation. There are others that we take on simply out of habit. And and these are the things that we, we find that we're spending time on, which um, they're probably things like the, the not important in the not important quadrant.
0: Yeah, I think it's about liberating yourself from having to do everything and having to always say yes. We kind of feel this overarching obligation mm. to respond to people and to say yes to everything because that's what we're told we should do. Especially women, we're raised to be
1: nice and helpful and that's annoying mm. because it then makes us put ourselves second a lot of the time. And obviously it's nice, it is it is good to help people and it feels good to help people but there's only so much so much helping you can do before it has to stop and you can't help other people if you're not healthy yourself.
0: And if you have time in your schedule and want to bring extra things into it, great. But what I find, uh, and it's that saying that kills me, that busy, if you want something done, ask someone that's busy, you know, (laughs) um, because busy people always get stuff done. But it's also, I think people figure out people that will say yes. So when they want someone to join a committee or hand out leaflets for a fundraiser or, they tend to people tend to know the people that are likely mm. to say yes and so they are the people that are always asked and i was one of these people big time i just couldn't mm. refuse and then i'd come home grumbling saying i don't want that in my schedule mm. i've got enough going on but i can't say no and i was i yeah it took me a while mm. and it was like a muscle i had to build up but then it's so liberating i think it's almost Slightly addictive. It is <laughs> saying bit, yeah. no to
1: people. <laughs> it's, it's, I'll tell you, opting out—it's like a whole
0: lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, and and then I've found recently that I don't even have to give an excuse. And I think it is that thing that when so someone invites you to a party Friday night, you think I've got a big week Friday night. I just want to be home
1: mm-hmm.
0: in my slippers, watching Escape to the Country. I don't want to mm-hmm. socialize. I don't want to do anything. So the old me would have said, yeah, sure, I'll come to that party and then grumble and moan the entire way to the party <laughs> and grumble and moan probably after the party because I didn't want to be there. So instead now I say, oh, thanks so much for the invite. Friday night doesn't work for me but, you know, I hope you have a great time. Mm. That's it. And it's like, oh, I didn't even—I don't even have to say why I'm saying no. Yeah. You can just say no. Yeah, and it's, it is a difficult lesson to learn if you try and come up with an excuse too, people will see through that even if it's the truth (laughs) even if you say like i can't because you know x has got a dance recital on friday they'll say it go "Mm, yeah just an excuse Mm. even if it's so quite often you're better off not giving an excuse just say that doesn't work for me or i can't can't make time for that this week Mm. so there is something nice about saying no. Oh,
1: yeah, and it is a bit addictive. And you can still – and the great thing about saying no is that you get to choose what you say yes to. So you get to mm. then focus your giving, givingness. <laughs> there is probably a better – generosity. There we go. There is a better word for givingness. <laughs> <There's a big laughs> go. Generosity. So you <clears throat> get to focus your generosity in a direction that you're passionate about. And so you're not necessarily just doing things out of obligation. You are saying no to a whole lot of things and then you are fully saying yes to something else and you're mm-hmm. you're diving into that and you're committing to that. And it just means that then you get to spend your time helping others in a way that you're most passionate about and no one loses in that case.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's that whole thing of saying no equals saying yes to something else, yes. whether that saying yes is saying yes to a quiet Friday night or I'm saying no to this ongoing committee position because I really want to say yes to building my veggie garden mm. this season. Yeah, um, You know, the the thing that you're saying yes to could just be I'm saying yes to time in my schedule yeah. that is not allocated anywhere. Yeah. I'm saying yes to this activity or I'm saying yes to more time yeah. reading or cooking or being with my children. Or decluttering. You know, I, I had a friend... The mother, sorry,
1: the mother of one of my daughter's friends from primary school. She was one of those people that was really hands-on and she was always at the school doing things. She was on all the committees. She came to all of the events and she coached all of the netball teams and she did all of that stuff. And she was the president of the parent committee for quite a few years and we had a discussion one day. I was at her house and she sort of looked around and, and her home was on the higher clutter level scale I guess and she sort of looked around and she said, I'd really, I'd really like to do some stuff around the house. I'd really like to get rid of some of this clutter. I just don't have the time. And I said to her, you know what I think you need to do? I said, I think you need to stop spending so much time outside the house helping everybody else and you need to start looking after yourself a little bit. And she and her husband both were always out and about helping everybody else. And, you know, she had a job, she worked shift work, she was a nurse, she had an elderly mother she looked after, she had two daughters she was also looking after. And there was just no time for for herself and for in her case, the herself was the state of her house and she was just feeling really chaotic because she had this massive big house but there were a whole lot of unfinished projects in the yard. There was a whole lot of clutter inside the house that she wanted to deal with. It was just bothering her. And so I said to her, well, I think you need to to sort of cut out some of your committee things. And she sort of went, oh, but no one else will do it. And I said, no one else will do it because they know you will. And so at the next Mm. meeting we... I was sitting across from her and when they called for nominations for the next president I gave her a really stern look and she kept her mouth shut and um, she almost almost volunteered when we got to the end of the meeting and no one else had nominated and again I glared at her and I was like yeah, yeah, I'm watching you and Later on mm-hmm. she said to me, oh, what's going to happen? What if there's no president? Then the committee will fold and there won't be any fundraising and then the kids will suffer and, and all that kind of stuff. And I said, just, ha- just wait, just wait and see. And a week later someone nominated for president and I said, they were just waiting for you to do it and you didn't do it so they stepped up. And I said, you've put in so many years, you've done your Duty. you know, you don't have to feel bad about this. You've, you've done your job and now you can focus a little bit more on some other things. And uh, so I also reminded her there were several other things she had to drop, but that was a good start. And, you know, it, it's, kind, it's those kinds of times where we're afraid that everything will fall apart without us. But in reality, it probably won't. And if it does, life will still go on. It's not your responsibility to make sure that all of the things you're involved with um, still run perfectly, or still exist, or still happen. You know, it's not necessarily your responsibility to to hold all the world up.
0: And I think what goes hand in hand with this idea of opting out and saying no is not volunteering for things in the first place. Like <laughs> I was so bad at that when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> you tell your story about driving because that's yeah, quite like, quite entertaining. I, I
1: was this. I was this stupid. I remember one time we were having like. Friday night drinks after work or something like that and I don't drink and so I was sober and no one else was and I sort of said you know at 11 o'clock at night whatever I'm going home now time to go tired whatever does anyone want to lift home and then of course this person goes yeah I do and she lived an hour out of my way (laughs) and I went right okay I'll take you home and she's like thanks it's so nice of you and I was thinking oh my god if I hadn't have opened my mouth she would have just caught a taxi or took the train or something like that but no silly me had to open my mouth and volunteer and sometimes we do do that have you done that Tara?
0: Yeah I will volunteer for things especially I can't cope very well with a quiet pause (laughs) so whenever it's it's like your PNF friend (laughs) it's like I'll go to a netball committee committee meeting and they'll go. Oh, now we need someone to run the canteen on the weekend. <laughs> and if there's three seconds of silence, it'll be like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll just do it. I can't stand <laughs> the silence it. anymore. <laughs> oh. So yeah, I find myself like if someone asked me, my I would say yes, but. Then it was like they're not asking me directly, they're asking anyone of the 20 people here, but i just throw myself, <laughs> Under the you know, bus into it. it. I'm like, oh, what did I do Yeah, that and we do
1: do that sometimes. We just will volunteer for things that no one has actually asked for, um, which is ridiculous. Mm. We need to stop doing that. It's the people-pleasers
0: in us. and uh, Yeah, and I think, and it's not, I mean, this sounds really like we're encouraging you <laughs> to be rude or to be selfish, oh, God, no. but it's not about that. It's more the... Taking control back of your schedule because other people will quite happily fill your schedule for you if you do not set some boundaries. Oh, they really will. So, it's like
1: it, volunteering or saying yes to everything is. It's almost like like getting your time and handing it over to someone else and saying, "Here is my time. You do with it as you wish."
0: Mm, and then they do. Yeah. So try saying no to something, and then you know what? Let us know on social media once you listen to this only when you've scheduled time for social media. (laughs) Um, Let us know if you said no to something and how it made you feel, and we apologise if you become addicted to saying no to everything. No, we don't apologise, actually. We're proud. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We mentioned here one of our tips is um, about setting your values and goals, and this goes back to what we discussed at the beginning about what success looks like for you. But if you work out what is important for you when things don't align with that just feel free to palm them off and and keep going don't get so focused on people pleasing like we said but also keep really strong to what is important to you and anything that is in the periphery let go of
1: hmm.
0: for sure so Are you I won't say any more on that because we discussed it a bit earlier yeah we but. did a
1: bit but I one of my favorite phrases or my favorite terms that I use with clients is look you're rowing really really fast but you're in the wrong pond and you have to be careful <laughs> yeah. that you know when you are spending all this time on things that you're not just rowing in the wrong pond you have to actually make sure you're in the correct pond before you go and work that hard you have to be working on the things mm. that are important to you and your life and your goals and things like that
0: one thing that i think can be really important in the right scenarios is forgetting about perfection now we talked Mm -hmm. earlier about quality outputs and i think there are times when quality is definitely better than quantity but also there are times when perfection need not exist and that this is one of your mantras isn't it beck do you i'm very much have this written anti-perfect um i think what the
1: one you might be referring to is on my Instagram bio. Bio for the business where it says, "No yes, perfection allowed." Yeah, it. I get a bit funny. There's a lot. There's a lot of perfection promoted in our industry, and I think that that's mm-hmm. very. Um, what's the word? Unhelpful for some people mm-hmm. can be demotivating for some people, and so yeah, I'm not a fan of perfectionism. It it can do some good things for example at work you know it can produce really good quality work or at school it might produce a really good grade or it might get you somewhere sometimes but in everyday life it just makes everything harder
0: mm. and i struggle with this in aspects of my life but i'm i'm getting better with accepting that quite often near enough is actually good enough so yeah. i um really like a clean floor And I had, when I got, I would vacuum regularly, daily. And when I've got the big vacuum out, I would just keep vacuuming. Mm. But then I got one of the little handheld Dyson's however many years ago and realized that if there were crumbs under the table, I could just clean up the crumbs under the table. I didn't have to do the whole house. So I turned what was a 20 minute job into a two minute job. Uh because close enough was good enough, my my concern was the crumbs under the table, not you know, not the, the whole rest floor. of the house. Yeah. so just focus yeah. on that I love I, mm. I always
1: laugh when I hear your stories about fixing those problems, or near enough is good enough, because for me, my near enough is good enough is leaving the crumbs on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas okay. you are like, I am not going to do all the floor. I am just going to get the crumbs. So I am like, I look at the crumbs and go, "Yeah, they'll still be there tomorrow. I am sure I can leave it another day." Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Put some shoes on. Then no, you won't get crumbs on your feet bothering you. It, yeah, <laughs> I am
0: definitely not as clean um, as you, but um, it, I do try. I do try. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, one of the things that I examples that I use about um, forgetting perfection is. <laughs> with my children and my uh, firstborn Sienna, when she was a baby and had reached the pureed food stage, I was very focused on <laughs> making sure that the vegetables were organic, steamed to the right point where they retained nutrients but were soft enough to puree, made sure the puree was the right consistency, made sure everything was sterilized. And you know, it was it was a whole long process to get her to the point of eating, of actually eating her food. And then bless her, my second born Maddie, uh, I'd be like, right, here you go, have some whatever, and she'd drop it on the floor. I'm like, that's okay, scoop it up. Two second rule, three second rule, five second rule. Sometimes Um, you'll be fine. Pick it up and keep eating. And I think, oh, I don't, I don't know what how that's going to play out in future with. being so, so obsessed about the standards for one child. But then I just, I kind of learned that actually. It didn't matter so much. It's okay. Mm. You can relax about some of these things and create so much less work for yourself mm. if you just reduce your standards I have a all these daydreams about if I had a third child, what I would be opting out of <laughs>
1: <And> <laughs> because, you know, there are so many things. Nappies,
0: you'll be fine. <laughs> well, just go in the backyard, bush
1: weed. <laughs> so I'll hold you up over the lawn for a few seconds after you've had a feed, and it yeah. should be fine then. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny we do relax. Uh, and everyone does it's very you know well known I think how much more relaxed we are and we're also time poor once the second one comes along there just isn't as much time and so mm-hmm. you, you're forced to just look the other way and just hope it will go away either that or drive yourself crazy trying to keep up the same standards as earlier but yeah I sort of think after my first two I was thinking you know oh I've had another one I'd do this and I'd do this and I'm sure that if I kept going by by number six it'd be you know even number three would look ridiculous so it's sort of you know, I do, yeah, I have little
0: fantasies about, you know, what I would opt out of um, with my <laughs> third child. Yeah. So, and I think people need to look at some of the things that they do that are in their schedules that maybe they're aiming for perfection where they could take it back a notch, do things a bit more, yeah. you know, efficiently, quicker. Yeah. Or even just get it done. Or scale back Yeah, or them. even just get it done in the
1: first place because, you know, I had a client who never swept her floor because she, she had uh, chronic pain issues and, to sweep all of her floor would take her, you know, an hour and she just didn't have the energy for that. So she didn't sweep at all. And I, I suggested to her that perhaps she sweep for five minutes a day and just do a little section of each floor. And she said, no, I can't do that. And I said, well, that's that's your perfectionism talking and we need to to get around that. And she said, don't be stupid. I'm not a perfectionist. Look, I live in a hovel, you know, and she sort of laughed at all the clutter around her and the unswept floor. And, and I said, um, no, no, it is perfectionism that is preventing you from from doing this. I said, because if you are going to refuse to just sweep a quarter of your floor, then that's perfectionism. That is saying I'm not doing this unless I can do it all of the way or unless I can do it perfectly and she sort of went oh goodness me I see what you mean (laughs) Uh, and she did promise to sweep a quarter of her floor every morning and it did only take her about 10 minutes and she had the energy to do it and then over the course of the week of course it never felt like it was completely clean because she would do as she's sweeping up one quarter the other quarter that she just did the day before is getting crumbs on it But it wasn't building up and it was better than nothing at all and nothing at all was what she'd been doing for the months previous so it ended up being still Mm. better for her to do that. But it was that perfectionism that was preventing her from doing that little bit at a time and I think sometimes we do fall for that a little bit.
0: Yes, I completely agree with that. One tip that we have which we could spend all day talking about but we (laughs) won't, I think you'll get the point pretty quickly, is to let go of needless drama. Yep. Um we quite often end up subscribing to people or to situations that create drama or create chaos in our life where we really don't need it. People, and I'm sure everyone listening will be nodding along because there's someone in your life that everything is mm. a drama and they need to tell you the drama and they need you to back them up and hear them out and give your advice and maybe, maybe get, involved. you know get involved. Mm. And you think, oh, so there's this saying, and I've only just recently found out that you love this saying as much yeah, as I it's do. It's one of it's my a favorites. Polish saying, which is, not my circus, not my monkeys. No. And I, I was only introduced to this a couple of years ago by a friend of mine, and I thought this is genius. So, for those of you not familiar, the, the theory is, you know, instead of trying to take over the role of ringmaster, control the show and the monkeys in the show when that show isn't even your circus you're not even the ringmaster you shouldn't mm. be there just get out of there because no one yep. no one is going to listen no one is is interested in your opinion it's not your yeah. circus so when you see these situations bubbling up or coming towards you and quite often they can be family dramas two other members of your family are having a tiff and they both want mm. your input your advice you can, instead of taking up hours of your time on the phone over the next months while they sort their issue mm. out, giving both opinions and trying to stay neutral, you can just back away and say, not my circus, not yeah. my monkeys, and save yourself a whole lot of time. I'm here if you need me to interact and have a relationship with me on on our mm. level, but whatever's going on with you over in that scenario, I'm not interested yeah. in or I don't have time for yeah. right now. Drama is its a little so, bit addictive, I think, you know,
1: just just mm. one of the things that really bothers me is that Married at First Sight show, where in the first series, the experiment was all about um, mm. what would happen if two people got married who'd never met each other before. Could they be a good match, blah, blah, blah. And the first season they went off and lived together alone and they only met with everybody else once or twice. And the audience loved it when there were fights and so the next season, obviously, the producers have gone, let's make this as, as what's the word, conflict-filled, there's a better word, as possible. Mm-hmm. So they've done things like clearly matched up people with the wrong people. They've, they have them all living together. They have this long, protracted interactions with everybody else and with each other and they force them into situations that cause conflict. And I just think... I don't. I don't understand how people can watch that for a start because I'm really anti-drama and I try and stay away as much as possible. But I think that I think that naturally there are a lot of people who just seem to love it, and I I don't understand it myself. And I'm not going to. I don't want to sort of be disparaging towards them. I, I just don't get it is there something good about it i'm not quite sure but there is something that a lot of people do love about it there's something people get from it i don't know what it is but obviously there is something and so ask yourself do i thrive on drama and is it doing good for me or or isn't it and am i thriving on the drama because i like attention because i like to be involved in things and then does it have a negative impact on me or is it you know is it does it not have any negative impact but i think It's something that you might need to step back from and just say, is this good for me, being being involved in all of this drama? Am I a bit addicted to it or is it something that
0: I might improve my life by stepping back from? Mm. And how much of my time is Mm. being involved in drama? You know, how much time is it sucking? How much time is it taking away from... Self care, how much time is it taking away from sleeping? How much time is it taking away from all the other things that I want to fit in my day? Yeah, for sure.
1: And just smile and nod, smile and nod. <laughs> One of yeah, my favorite it. things to do.
0: Or just say, not my circus, <laughs> not my monkeys. And if they don't know what you're talking about, tell them to go pick <laughs> yeah. it up. Our last point, so that we can wrap this up, uh, by no means our least point, is. To also contemplate clearing the clutter, mm. um, the physical clutter that you have as well, because it's a real busyness and clutter can be a bit chicken and egg, I think. Yeah, for sure. mm, and you can quite often you don't have time to sort, so clutter grows. But also because you have clutter, it takes you longer to do yeah, things. For sure. So you know, it's a it's a pretty vicious cycle there. You know. The less you have in your house, the more free your mind is, the, the less busy your schedule mm. is, the less you have to organise, the less you have to care for and maintain. Yep. So just think about taking some time to clear out some of this physical and non-physical clutter that's in your life to start making some more space. Perfect. Perfect. So I mentioned earlier about this guide that I've written and that's because I I have several clients and some of the things are really applicable across the board, very general tips that you can start taking away and trying to implement. Um, It's called Busting the Busyness and it's a free guide that's on my website. So if you go to www.basklifecoaching.com There's a black strip that appears at the top of the page that says Get My Free Busting the Busyness Guide. Click on that and you can have I think it's about a six or seven page guide, few explanations, lots of (laughs) (laughs) food-related ideas and um, things that you can take and start applying so that you can start busting some of that busyness in your own life. Sounds awesome. So that leads us to this week's challenge, Tara. What are we doing this week? This week we are doing kids clothes. So with or without your children, depending on their ages, have a look through their wardrobe, see if you can find old clothes of theirs, maybe things that are no longer loved or worn, things that they've grown out of or maybe things that are stained or torn and irreparable and consider getting rid of those. You could sell them on a buy swap sell page if they're still can be worn you could donate them to charity or you could convert them into rags to use in your home let us know how you go with your challenge on our instagram page or in our facebook community Thanks for joining us. If
1: you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all of your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.